like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. to the Inspired Educator podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Okay, uh, so I want to get started with just if you can give us a brief insight into how you got into early childhood and specifically the role that you're in now. Yep. So, uh, early childhood, uh, my initial degree is software engineering, so IT. Yeah. Um, I think it's when I was studying IT, I was working in a bookshop and I was managing the children's section. So I was really getting to see literacy and how that connects to children, their their development and, and different things like that and their interests. Um, and when I came out to Australia, um, I started to think, well, I really want to stay in this country. I had to figure out different ways to do that. And one of the ways was studying and early childhood and primary school was a way to do that. So initially, um, for me, it was for visa purposes to yep. try and stay within the country. Um, but what I found within day one of my classes, I was really engaged in the theory. Um, and my first couple of days as um, on track, I just fell in love with the environment. And the passion just hasn't stopped growing since. And when I reflected on, well, why did it take so long for me to, to realize that? Um, and I really started to unpack. Um, as teenagers, when we're going through this transition of high school and what's your future career, we're directed by everyone else. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I was always told I was good at computing because that's where I was getting my high my high scores, um, and that's where the future was going. So family yeah. lecturers would tell me that. And initially, I went into web design, and was told within my first year when everything was consolidated together that web design was for thick people. Oh. <laughs> I should use um, my software engineering skills because I was getting the 90 percentile marks for that. Yeah. I directed into that course through fear and through everyone else's expectations. Yeah. Moment to really go, well, what do I want and where do I sit? Early childhood became the, the natural progression for me. So I dropped away from the idea of primary and Early yeah. Um, and how I got into my current role as an early learning manager um, of a centre, um, I really, as I was a kinder teacher, I really started to explore gender and um, how children learn gender and how the impact of society has within that. Um, and it started to branch out into speaking at conferences of 
for um, and helped other mentors in their explorations. Um, so I then started to take a, a, role, a route into leadership journey, really yep. do an educational leader role where I could really lead projects on gender bias um, and a whole central approach to anti-bias, um, which then led me into really building those uh, leadership managerial skills that I could then jump into where I'm at now. Yeah, wow. It's funny listening to you um, kind of explain how you got into early childhood. Not completely similar to how I got there, but I was much the same in that I started, uh, I think my first day of my course, I was thinking, oh, I'm really not sure if this is going to be for me. I sat down in that first class and they started talking about brain development and I went, oh, wow. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't what I was expecting and it was that theory side of it that grabbed me. I think for some people, there seems to kind of be almost two camps. There's the people who spend their whole childhood saying, I love children, I just want to work with children, and that's great. Yeah. I wasn't that person, and I was the person who fell in love with the theory and the research and the, you know, all that underpinning stuff before being that super, you know, I need to be with children kind of person. So I, I yeah. find that interesting to kind of hear that when somebody else says that. I'm like, oh, good, it's not just me. <laughs> no, and I, I think it's my journey. It's that kind of um, trajectory has always been there. So even uh, looking at gender, I never intended to be um, the person that would go into a space and really focus on gender or that would be my career route. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's to have myself go in the, the sole male in a centre and then looking at gender within the space. It's, yeah, it, it's a bit of a contradiction at times. Yeah. Um, but I fell into it because I started to question and then from there everything snowballed and grew. So it's that same that same aspect. You just get that one little spark. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're down a route and you're looking back to where you used to go and go, Oh, but oh, okay, no, we'll keep going over here. I'm liking this over here. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So tell us a little bit about the program that you're working in and what makes it special or different or, you know, what's what's kind of um, not a selling point, but you know, what's what's that point of difference? Um, well, it's interesting. I thought w with this, it's I've, I'm pretty new into the role that I'm currently in. I'm mm -hmm. two months and about to go through A and R next week. Just Excellent! It's a great initiation. <laughs> um, so the, the, the space that I'm currently at, um, the, the thing that really grasped me in terms of coming over to the, the space is the connection it has to history. So it's celebrating 80 years this year. Yeah. Um, and the centre itself has such a rich history and seeing how that's come along and how open the, the space is to really look to the future and really in get ingrained in future theory and future directions within society and community and the profession itself. Yeah. Um, and just its progressiveness has really... Um, it's blown, blown my mind away. So we've got a uh, an all-staff conference coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and usually they donate to a charity or a cause as part of the, the conference. Um, and I suggested it was on um, We're at Purple Day, so supporting LGBTQIA youth. Yeah. Um, and I literally just left my mouth and it, the exec team were like, oh, great, we can actually focus on that at this year's conference. Excellent. That blew me away because previously when I've had conversations with organizations around that there's the fear 
It's yeah. the oh, but we might upset people. Not everyone's going to support LGBTQI people. We can't make we can't put that into people's minds. We don't need an agenda to be in a space that really said, "Excellent, let's do this." And yeah. that's our connection. We're getting all this stuff, and um, we can promote it um, where possible. Not in people's faces, but we're making a difference. And yeah. Just the openness and how easy it was to have that conversation. And it's that confidence of the organisation to live into its own philosophy and its own values. You know, so many people espouse so much of that. You know, we're we're so open and we're welcoming and we're this and we're that. And yet, when it comes to the practice, it doesn't always quite yeah. line up. And you know, people do fall into that fear of, oh, but maybe we're pushing our agenda or maybe we're pushing a, a certain angle and people will be offended or upset or you know put out or whatever but I think that confidence to stand by you know what the service says hey you know we, we feel comfortable with this yeah and, yeah and being able to I think we prepare ourselves to have the big conversations go right when the conversation goes down this left route I can talk about this and this when it goes on the right route I'll talk about this and this yeah so just get that first fork it's like oh no we're all good with this it's yeah it, it's refreshing yeah and in early childhood there's a lot of spaces that we go into that we really have to fight to get that that justice that social justice the yeah um, exploration of equity um and real connection to children's rights and our program and practice but yeah it, it's 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 a refreshing place to be in and knowing the direction that they would like to to go and and using the skills of all educators within this space and organization so for me specifically coming with that lens of anti-bias and being able to ingrain that through policies and start conversations as we're reviewing policies and say actually can we remove all gender from these policies and having that discussed at such not even great length because again everyone's on board quite quickly because yeah. you articulate the reasons and you're bringing that expertise so it's almost like you're really uh, like a magnet the organizations are magnets connecting all these people that have that same philosophy and values and way of thinking to really be progressive and provide the best yeah oh that it sounds amazing <laughs> it sounds amazing all right so why do you think and i suppose this kind of links to what we were just talking about why do you think it is so important for educators in early childhood in early childhood programs to embed concepts of social justice within their practice their program you know you just spoke about policies those kinds of things why is that so important um, I think for me, when you think about this, it's, um, it's all aspects of our frameworks. When you when you look at our early years learning frameworks and Victorian early uh, learning development framework, the five outcomes, they connect to all aspects of social justice. If you look at identity and you're preparing children for knowing who they are as a person, that connects to all aspects of social justice. That's looking at race. It's looking at um, their own abilities. It's looking at um, where they fit into their own um, spectrum of gender. It's it's looking at um, really understanding who they are as a person. Um, if you look at community, it's about how do I as a person then connect with my community? How do I treat them? How do I connect with that empathetic nature that I have within me for others? Well-being, how do I cope when I'm faced with challenge when I'm faced with um, diversity, when I'm faced with injustice um, and learning how to problem solve, how, how to manage the conflicts and conversations within ourselves or with other people. 
um, and to be able to articulate and stand up. For me, social justice connects through all aspects of, um, of, the, of the framework outcomes and therefore children's learning. Um, and I think a lot of the times we don't realise how connected it is. I think um, I was just thinking that as you were saying it, I got a bit goosebumpy. And I was thinking, <laughs> I, I really think there are a lot of educators out there that would struggle to make the connection and to be able to, and, and, and as soon as you're saying it, you know, you've given some really concrete examples there. And that, you know, it's so evident how it's completely embedded in there. And yet people are still... Yeah. seeing them as two really separate concepts. Yeah, yeah. Social, social justice is almost a fear phrase. Mm. For social justice, you automatically think um, advocacy, where you're standing with the pickets, yes. uh, and you've got the big signs, and there's a potential that it could go sideways. Yeah. That's not social justice. It's, for, for me, it's, it's really building those ingrained messages and preparing children for... Um, their best selves, where they can connect with people, where they connect with who they are. Um, and I think if we take the label social justice out, as you said, we're already doing it. Yeah. It's already there. It's just about being able to um, get the courage to say, well, this is why we're doing it. Yeah. It's the why that I think sometimes gets lost. Yes. The practice is there, but the why we're doing social justice. Yeah. Um, it's to tackle it's to tackle racism it's to get to that nitty gritty aspect of mm -hmm. um, society in the way it is um, at the moment and has been and will continue to be because there will always be something to, yeah. to fight against but to be able to make that connection I think that's, that's the important aspect yeah oh that's excellent um, okay well I, and you, I suppose you did just touch on that why you think some educators might shy away from that, from embedding concepts of social justice? Do you think they shy away from the term or do you think some, I think there's definitely some who are shying away from practices um, that are yeah. socially just, but what do you think is that barrier for some people? Um, I think it's different. I think there's multiple reasons you could really unpack. One of the, the things, the conversations that I've been having recently is around Indigenous perspective and it's that fear of... Um, not being open and honest mm -hmm. with children it's about it's that fear of ruining childhood yeah when it comes to social justice topics when it comes to indigenous perspectives or um looking at same-sex families or uh, different race uh, religions or abilities within a space there's this fear that um children w in having the knowledge that they would have if, if we were all ingrained in this practice that children's childhood would be ruined. Yes. Um, having conversations with educators around that versus um, being open and honest and preparing children and allowing children to process and have time is, um, I think that's a barrier. Yeah. Um, so a, a, an example I can give is um, not giving um, a truthful account of an indigenous perspective of settlement. Um, mm -hmm not necessarily around Australia Day, but in general, because there's this fear that children will see a boat and think that someone is coming to take the children away. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So having those conversations and trying to break down that that way of thinking may happen, but that's part of the process. Mm. And that's where you then reflect on the conversations you're having and making sure that 
families are connected to the conversation and you're not just going in there saying, this is what's happened. Yes. Let's discuss. Yeah. It's, it's preparing, it's laying the foundations and it's it's coming at this at stories and at histories with um, a, a concrete connection to what you're looking for in your programme. So looking at empathy, looking at respect and really, really tapping into learning and development that way. Do you think some of it's a fear of getting it wrong or a fear of not having the right information and so that there's that lack of confidence in the information they're sharing? I know I've worked with educators in the past who have avoided, um, you know, looking at Aboriginal culture within their service because they don't want to get it wrong and offend. So the solution for them is I'd rather just do nothing then do it and get it wrong. And I think that that is a barrier for a lot of people. It's that fear of what if I make the wrong choice? What if I say it in the wrong way? What if, do you think that's a legitimate thing that's occurring for some educators or do you think it can be a bit of a cop-out sometimes? Bit of both. I think people, it's, it's fear, but I think it's also an easy excuse that gets to, oh, okay, let's, let's work on that when in actual fact there may be underlying values that that individual may have that goes against what it is that you're trying to really um, work with within the program. So um, to say, oh, we're doing this big project on same-sex families, and if an educator was to say, well, um, I actually don't want to get it wrong, so I'd rather not do it, is it that they don't want to get it wrong, or is it that there's a value or a belief there um, that it needs to be reflected on and unpacked. Is there a um, silent homophobia that mm. is not necessarily vocal, but it's present within practice? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's both. I think there's, there's, in some cases it is a fear, but I think in sometimes that's an, an easy route to take where you're not going to get questioned and then you can uh, tap out of actually having to reflect on real reasons. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some practical things that educators can do if they want to get started thinking about social justice? So I'm picturing the educator who, you know, is really kind of fresh and going, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what cause I need to be a champion for. I don't know what conversations I need to have. Where do I start? Um, I guess, it, I mean, social justice is such a broad absolutely um, so I would see well, what champions have you already got within this space have you already got um, people within this space that would champion LGBTQI um, practice or mm -hmm. organizations or ways of thinking that would be willing to really take that on board is there educators that already have connections to, to culture or to race or explorations of racism that would be willing to champion it. it it's taking that step back to see, well, what have I got? Yeah, what, it, what is our, our skill set and our knowledge set within our team? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then using that to then start to audit the space in terms of language, in terms of resources that are in there, in terms of the books that are there. Mm -hmm. And come as a team and go, okay, well, here is our group that's looking at gender equity. What have you found in terms of our environments with gender? What is um, our, um, our group on race and diversity? What, what have you found? Are we, are we inclusive? Are we um, tackling the right messages? Where could we go next? Let having those champions really, uh, really lead that. Um, and also see if there's, uh, who else is around you. What I've found is you're, you're never alone in the journey. 
there's always organizations or educators that are relatively close by that are on the same journey and yeah. find ways to connect with them. Yeah. One of the most meaningful ones I had was where um, we had an allied health organization were looking at gender equity and they brought five or six early childhood centers together where once every six weeks we would come and reflect on our journey together. Yeah. And you would see that some people aren't, uh, are at the very beginning, some people are further along, but then yeah. it moves. Some yeah. People that are further along end up pausing because of different things like, yeah. are, like different um, aspects of um, practice that can happen at the centre when then all of a sudden the person that was at the bottom is suddenly at the top and you're supporting each other through yeah. the journey. Yeah, so it is that connection and being able to kind of bounce off other people and know that you're not doing it just on your own, I suppose, is probably key for a lot of people. Yeah, you connected to your own personal philosophies. If social justice is part of your personal philosophy, use that as a way in yeah. um, to reflect on yourself. If, if my personal philosophy is to look at inclusion and equity for everyone, well, there's my way in. It's part of my personal philosophy, so I need to... I need to then motivate myself and get in that. Look yeah. at our centre philosophies. If it's it's there, you could you can articulate your centre philosophy and nine times out of ten you could pull something with social justice out of that. Absolutely. And that connection and using that as a starting point to say, well, it's in our philosophy. So therefore, surely it should be okay to start exploring this. And if not, why not? Yeah. And start those questions. Yeah. No, good tips. Good tips. I think people will be able to make some action because I think that's the thing. They have the idea, they have the the belief. For a lot of people, it is the belief that's taking some steps and actually, you know, making action, you know, making yeah. things happen, actually making a bit of change and seeing some change within their service. Yeah. And a lot of it is bravery and courage. And yeah. once you take that first step and you break through that first fear of, Oh God, I've just had that conversation. Yeah. You actually have a lot more and a lot more easily. Yeah. First one, get through your yeah. first one and then you're set. Yeah. Yeah. Put it out there and on the table and it's much easier to have the conversations around it. Absolutely. So have you got a favourite story or a favourite moment um, that's come about kind of working in the way that you do with that social justice lens, I suppose? Yes. Um, that's a good idea. Um, so when I was, um, so this is, by Rob Sanders and it's the story of Harvey Milk and the Rainbow Flag. Yep. Um, one of, when I was um, leading a whole centre approach to anti-bias, um, uh, I was in the, the kindergarten room and I, I read this book with the children and families were aware this was quite um, a while into um, my 18 months there. So families were aware of what we were doing and um, the type of messages that we were providing and connections that we had. I read this book to the children and um, some of the children went home um, and started to talk about it. And there's a page in the book that actually talks about him getting assassinated, getting killed. Yeah. Um, and it's one, one line in, on one page in the book, but a couple of children had really focused on that. So I had a conversation with um, one of the parents saying, my, my child's coming home and talking about killing, like someone getting killed. Um, so I showed her the book and explained it's, it's part of our library here. You're welcome to take it home, have a read. It's, it's literally one page. This is part of the messages that we're doing. Um, it doesn't surprise me that this is, a, this is a focus, but we can discuss it. So the family took it home for the weekend, brought it back on the Monday, and 
um, said exactly the same thing. Um, we read it like 12 times. They absolutely loved the book. It is just one page and for some reason the child is really fixated on that one page and can't really work out why. So it was a whole week after I had read the book initially, I read it again with the children. So I hadn't really done anything in the middle, that middle space between the first time and the second time. Got to the same page um, and the children that had really focused on it then went to that next level. Oh, Harvey, Harvey's been killed. Why did that person talk? Yeah. Why, why did they have to kill him? Why did they have to talk? I hope he's in jail now. So in that process of initial reading to that second reading, they had gone through that whole journey of something doesn't feel right. What is wrong here? This is what's wrong and this is what needs to get done about it. So yeah. they had gone a whole social justice cycle and really articulated the injustice of um, Harvey's journey. Yeah. Had him in the end. Um, and um, were then able to connect with their own learning and say, well, this is how we should be doing it. When we have conflict, we sort it out this way. We talk to each other and we fix it. So being able to see that, that's one of my most favorite stories because it is, it's practice in action. And you, Absolutely. You, really, you really get to see the, the, um, the benefits of exploring social justice and um, the weight that children can bring to it. So it's, and it's, it's getting in on that ground floor with children. I think that's why it's, for me, why it's so important because you're getting in while the brain is making so many connections and, you know, you're, you're laying down those foundations where they're starting to realise, hang on, these things happen, that's not okay. And yes. you're setting them up to be, you know, and they already are, you know, contributors to society and, you know, people that come out looking at the world in a different way, I think, you know, and will question those sorts of things. I know even uh, my own, uh, my eldest child is nine and we're having a lot of conversations at the moment about things that happen in the world and whether that's fair and whether that's right and what can be done about it and what he can do about it. And I know even just this morning, you know, he pipes up, um, something came on the news just as we're about to leave home about uh, the Prime Minister talking about climate change and he says, well, if he wants to do something, maybe he should really look at Adani. And I'm like, where does this come from? But it's just that these conversations are just part of the language for him now. You know, he's used to yeah. hearing that and talking about, you know, the environment. And that, that's obviously fairly big for our household, you know, environmental well-being and that future. And so for him, he's just held on to that and he's picking up these pieces of information and thinking, well, hang on, if someone wants to do something, then they need to actually act. Yeah. And that's all the research as well. If you look at um, all the research that's coming around um, gender-based violence, um, a lot of the frameworks, a lot of the stats and figures that are coming out are saying you need to tackle this in the early childhood space. Absolutely. So there's, a lot, there's a lot of programs and practices that are now starting in the early childhood space because that's what the research is now saying. Yeah. So back that up, if you're looking at gender equity, well, the research is saying to tackle family-based violence, we need to start this at the ages of zero to six. Yeah. And you really need to tackle it in that age space. Yeah, you're setting up those attitudes and that mindset for yeah. life. Yeah. 
Oh, that, that was a really nice story too. That is a nice moment. Um, all right, so the final question that I have for you um, is something that I've asked everybody that I've spoken to on the podcast. Uh, who or what are your top three uh, inspirations as an early childhood professional? So it could be a person or a book or a, anything really. Yep. Um, okay, so there's you. So just now... Um, in my leadership role, I'm, I'm leading an instructor, Amanda Sinclair, Mindful Leadership. Yeah. For me, because it's really connecting um, something that I love in terms of mindfulness and leadership. So learning to really breathe through and act in a way that connects with people mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a mindful way through our, through our own leadership skills. Um, so that's one that I'm really um, enjoying at the moment. Um, Elise Gravel is a French uh, illustrator. Yeah. Um, and she's really, like, on social media, I keep seeing her um, illustrations come up, and she's got great ways of tackling um, social justice in ways that connect with children. So it's all illustrations around um, gender, around racism. She had a, a comic strip around um, what is a refugee. Oh, or, wow other one around famous refugees um and listed a few famous ones women in science um uh, boys can like um and then lists all of that girls can like and then lists everything that that really shows that it's an open sphere for yeah it's, it's plastered everywhere and she really connects with that emotional um intelligence as well that yeah it's okay for children to feel angry to feel sad um, it's about what we do with it. So her illustrations have been uh, really impactful in the environments that I've set up for families yep. and families have really connected to that as well. Um, and I guess the last thing for me was uh, Dr. Suaxon Lopez with the Possum Skin Pedagogy. Yep. Um, so a lot of the um, what she puts in there and underpinning about connecting to Indigenous practice and connecting to elders and to community, um, I feel translates to all aspects of social justice mm-hmm. um, and actually breaking through um, that fear and really connecting to your own bravery and courage. So that's something that really connects with me as well. Beautiful. Uh, some good recommendations there, I think, for people to have a look at. So that will be good. I'll be doing the same myself. Those illustrations sound amazing. So I'll definitely be hunting those down. Um, so thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's been lovely to have a chat to you and to learn a little bit more about social justice. And I think um, that a lot of educators will take some really practical advice away from our chat and you know be able to kind of make some steps within their own services and within their own work as an early childhood professional so thank you very much if people want to find out more about social justice where would you recommend sending them oh my goodness Uh, uh, social justice in early childhood so sajek yeah got a lot of great connections They've got their own blog that connects with anti-bias. Um, so they're, they have a foundation and they have a conference every year. Um, I would say that's a good place to really start and um, you get some great connections through that as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks again. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Need more Nicole in your life? Here's how to find her. InspiredEC.com inspired ec on facebook or at inspired underscore ec on instagram you can also visit playvolutionhq.com slash podcast slash inspired to leave a comment or ask a question thanks for listening
hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.